leads us and He guides us. And then I'm going to introduce uh, a mighty speaker all the way from Colombia. You've already seen him, uh, Pastor Leo. And you're going to hear his story, how the Lord has led him to where he is. And this whole conference is actually called Fit for a King. And uh, I believe God is inviting us. God is calling us. So I just invite you just to allow this song to minister. If I could introduce Sita uh, and Justin and Charmaine, our singers. We'll introduce the other guys maybe to tomorrow. But uh, they're going to lead us in this song. sing this song with us, church. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. I won't fear. I won't fear. Sing, I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. My cup is overflowing. I say, my cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me. No weapon can harm me. For I won't fear. I won't fear. God sing hallelujah, hallelujah, I am not alone. Yes, Lord, cause he's my comfort. next one with us. He always guides me. He always guides me. You guys can sing. <laughs> Through mountains and valleys. Mountains and valleys. His joy is refreshing. His joy is refreshing. Restores my soul. Restores my soul.
We declare, oh God. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me, my victory, my victory. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me, my victory. Come on, church, help us. Your spirit. the Lord. Why don't we all stand up and let's give Pastor Leo from Colombia. He works in our, he is our worship pastor. He is a linguist and a lecturer in our college and also part of our multicultural community center, our project coordinator. So let's welcome Leo. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Hola, como están? Muy bien. I'm preaching in Spanish. I can't preach in English. So, just kidding. Oh, somebody. Praise the Lord. You know the language of heaven. And no Latinos in the house to say amen. <laughs> How are you? I'm so excited and it is a great privilege to be with you tonight. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for having us. And thank you, all the team. You are so hospitable. We are in awe. We still... 
we can't just move past that. But praise the Lord. I'm here to bless his name and I want to bring my greetings from my family as well. If you can put the picture of them, that's, that would be the first. Yes. Oh. Yes, I can't believe it. They're so beautiful. Especially my daughters. They look like me. <laughs> no, they don't. They look like my wife. And I'm so blessed. So that's my wife and my seven-year-old, Bella. Uh, and my naughty one, two and a half. <laughs> Her name is Ellie. They are such a great blessing. Um, like you heard, my name is Leo. But my full name is Leonardo Alexander Leguizamón Montaño. I just said it quick so that you can understand what I said. No, just kidding. That's a full name. I, like Pastor Jono said, I'm a linguist. I studied philology and languages, not philosophy, philology and languages, in the best university in Colombia. Praise the Lord. You don't know it, but uh, yeah, and I can claim it. I can claim it because it is. It actually is. It was, it's actually, and I'm not kidding you, it's the best university in, in, our, in our country. And it's public university, so it's not easy to get in. 10,000 people put in an application. Only 1,000 make it through. Yes, I was not 1,001. I was one of the 1,000. Yes, praise the Lord. I've been I'm a teacher. I teach English back. I was teaching back in Colombia, like Pastor Jono said. I've taught in university, colleges, and also in school. And before coming to Australia, I actually was the head of the English department of a Christian school. So... I never thought it would be possible for me to come and teach English, but I'm so blessed that I can do it in MCC. Like Pastor Jono said, I work with the Multicultural Community Center. I work as a project coordinator. I'm helping refugees, migrants, and we do different projects. I'm so blessed because I asked God before, like years ago, I said, God, I just don't want to be a teacher forever. I want to do something else, I like help people and bless people, and God heard my prayers. And here I am fulfilling my dream in a land I never thought I could do that. So, well, enough of me. All right. Let's go into what I'm bringing for you tonight. Well, you saw the picture of my two kids and my wife celebrating Christmas. And we Latinos, we have a dilemma when we come into Australia. Because we celebrate the 24th, Christmas Eve, right? But you guys celebrate the 25th, right? And that's because of this lady, if you can put up the image, right? So when you see her, yeah, right, you follow whatever she does, right? That's supposed to happen in the Commonwealth, right? All right. Hmm. When do you think this, this family, if you can put the next one up, when do you think this family, the royal family, opens the presents? You would say 25th. No. Actually, they open their presents on Christmas, sorry, on Christmas Eve, yes, on the 24th. So that means the Latinos are more royal than you guys. I'm sorry, guys, but we are. All right, but that's not what I'm talking about tonight. If you can put up the next slide. This kid is the great-grandson of Queen Elizabeth. This little guy is being prepared to become a king someday. He is in line to be a king. And this story is not just about him. I'm going to tell you a story of another boy in the Bible. That he was also being prepared to be a king someday. But his story is good. The kid's story I'm going to tell you is probably not so good. But before that, 
Let me tell you, God dreamt of you and me being queens and kings on this land. Some of you are like, nah. Yes. If you don't trust me, let's go to the Bible. Next slide, please. In Genesis, you can read that God made us to rule the earth. In Deuteronomy, you find that God wanted us to be blessed in every area. And that's what kings are, right? They have everything. So the dream of God is that you and me are blessed. But how many of you feel like that's not your life? You don't feel blessed in every area. You feel like you can't achieve what God has planned for you. Even in the Gospels, you see Jesus declaring, I have come so that you can live life and live it to the fullest. That is his dream. His dream is so that you can achieve his dreams and through you he can bless this earth. But like I said, unfortunately, if I were to ask you, please don't. But if I were to ask you how many of you are really living your lives to the fullest, I'm pretty sure not many would really raise their hands. On the contrary, if I asked you how many of you feel that you're missing something. That you can't achieve your dreams. That there's something inside of you that won't let you. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people would raise their hands. But like I said, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Next slide, please. Like I said, I'm going to tell you a story of a boy who was prepared to be a king. Like that boy I showed you before. These little boys and these kids, I read about them. They are prepared. They are taught how to think like a king. They are taught how to speak like a king. They even are taught how to walk like a king. I know I look like a king. Yeah, you don't believe it. My wife does. But anyway, we are, we are supposed to live like that. But like I said, we don't. And this kid in the Bible, he was raised to be a king. But in one day... He lost it all. Let me show you. Next slide, please. His story is in 2 Samuel chapter 4. An heir to the throne, like that kid, becomes unfit for a king. Just in one day. And we read in verse 4. Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. So that's the kid I'm talking about. Who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul, his grandfather, and Jonathan, his father, had been killed in battle. So this kid, who is supposed to be a king someday, he loses his father and grandfather. That means he's the next king. But the story doesn't stop there, unfortunately. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. Well, that's a good idea, right? But look at what happened. But as she hurried away, she dropped him. And he became crippled. Sometimes in our lives, somebody hurts us. Somebody does some damage to us and we become crippled. And there's hurt inside. And maybe there are things in your life that you can't really talk about. But I'm believing this is a word that will help you set free tonight. Let me share you about my personal life. If you can go to the next slide. 
how this, you know, nice looking Colombian, king like Colombian, <laughs> right, became unfit for a king. It didn't happen in one day. It took, it took years to kind of make me cripple inside. But I'm going to share my story. But also how, on the other hand, the love of God tr has transformed my life. So let me show you. That's in the next slide. This beautiful boy is not from Google. It's me. Yes, I had a lot of hair. Yes. <laughs> and I was a bit... Kind of, kind of towards blonde, but yeah, you know. Anyway, we change. That was me. <laughs> that was when I was, and you would think, well, he looks great. And you, you see me worship leading. You see me now preaching. And now, like Pastor Jono said, I'm a worship pastor now. You would think, oh, this guy grew up in heaven. He was, his parents were like, oh, every day. Like blessing this guy, declaring blessings every morning. No, far from it. I actually was an unwanted child. So let's, let's go to the next slide. Like I said, Mephibosheth didn't do anything to live the life he lived. To live as a crippled man. Somebody dropped him. In my life, three people dropped me. Throughout my life. Three people dropped me. But intimacy with God has changed my life. And that's what I want to bring tonight. And I'm so glad that Pastor Chris read that scripture tonight. Because that's a scripture that I've, I'm being, I've been having for quite a while. And it's exactly this. About intimacy with God. So let me share with you. The first ones. Next slide please. The first one to drop me were my parents. Like I told you. I'm an unwanted child, and actually, I could claim something cool. Pregnancy is meant to be how long? Six to nine months, right? That would be considered a normal pregnancy, right? Still, still within limits. I beat that. Yeah, my pregnancy was around one month. Yeah, I know. They're like, what? Is that even possible? Well, let me share why I claim that. My parents were not Christians. So they didn't have these values. They didn't believe in, you know, waiting to get married, to enjoy the honeymoon. No, they had the honeymoon before everything else. But they didn't really love each other. So my mother fell pregnant when she was only 17 years old. And back in that day, not really long ago, right? I know super, I know I'm, I look super young. I'm not. Well, but anyway. Back in that day, it was such a shame to be pregnant when you're not married. So when my, both my families found out, they forced them to get married. They said, uh-uh, well, you've done this, now you're getting married. So my parents got married unwillingly. But before they went into that, they had to wait till my mom would turn 18. But before that, what they what my mom did and what my family forced her to do was to wrap her belly around to hide me. So for, well, I don't think it was the eight months, but for her pregnancy, nobody could know she was pregnant. She was hiding. So when she turned 18, she got married. Following day, 
bye-bye wrapping, boom, full belly, full grown baby. <laughs> and in four weeks, I was born. So there you have it, in one month. <laughs> so, but that didn't stop there. Like I showed you in the picture, my parents tried. They stayed together for probably two or three years, but that didn't work out. So they were fighting. There was domestic violence. So my dad took me to his parents' house. And, well, later, like when I was probably seven years old, my dad redid his life. So he pretty much got a girlfriend and he got married again. But in that new life, I didn't fit. There was no, hey, Leo, you know, I love you so much, but my parents are going to take care of you. There was no explanation. He just left. And on my mother's side, she was no different. She would never visit me. Even though she just lived 10 minutes away from me, she wouldn't visit me. She wouldn't call me. She wouldn't care for me. So I was growing up with a lot of hurt in my heart. I remember growing up just crying in my bed at night because I wanted my parents to love me. And my mom would only come around Christmas or my birthday, a few days before that. And I was lucky when she got me toys because then I would enjoy them. But unlucky when she got me clothes because she always thought I was little. She would always bring me one or two sizes smaller than I actually was. And she promised, don't worry, don't worry, child, I'm going to change that. And I'm still waiting. Yeah. Unfortunately, that didn't stop there. Like I said, um, I was like hurting inside. The second person that hurt me, if you can put out the next slide, was my teacher. So this was probably year three. So in a school, you would expect that teachers love your kids. They respect your kids. They encourage your kids to grow, right? To have confidence in themselves. But unfortunately, this teacher wasn't like that. He was actually encouraging bullying when bullying was, didn't even exist as a word, I think. <laughs> it was just about being tough or not being tough. So this teacher was encouraging bullies to do things to other kids. So I remember I was in the playground, a really big playground, and I'm in the middle there like any other kid, just unaware, playing when he sent one of the bullies to pull my pants down. And not only that, underwear included. I could hear... I could hear the screams. And I was like, well, just need water. All right. And I thought, well, I deserve this. If you feel you deserve the pain you've been going through. Let me tell you, God is telling you tonight, you don't. You don't. God loves you. He didn't plan 
the things that have gone wrong in your life to happen. That was not his plan. But let me move on. Not everything was bad. <laughs> I had fun. And when I was probably 12, the best thing that could ever happen to me happened. I got to know Jesus in Easter. And when I got to know Jesus and I started to hear in the sermons, I started to hear that he loved me. Like my father would never do it. Like my mother would never do it. So I threw myself into God. Which means I started, I remember I would go to church. There was no band. It was just one lady who wouldn't know how to sing. But she would sing, she would be singing. And I remember being there just crying and crying. Without understanding why I was crying. But it was God cleansing my soul. God cleansing my life. And the more that happened, the more I fell in love with God. So then the pastor would say, you know what? You get to know God if you pray. You can talk to, to God. That is the language of heaven. So what I did was to lock myself in the room without really understanding how to speak to God. But then I, I got to know my best friend. From that moment, Jesus became my best friend. And I get emotional because God has been the best thing I've ever had. Ever. But unfortunately, as life continued and I went into high school, um... I learned, I learned in, in church and reading the Bible that you would have to endure persecution, persecution. So I took it literally. And people, you know, the bullying came back. So people started doing things to me. And I wouldn't respond. I wouldn't do anything. And I remember one particular day when I was in the tuck shop. And it's not like in Australia, you know, people really respect they make a line. They even ask you, are you queuing up? No, in Colombia, that's not the case. <laughs> Kids show the hunger. So I would run like any other kid with money. Probably my grandparents gave me too much money. And when I went there, uh, I would be there just, just screaming my lungs out. This is what I want, like any other kid. And I remember one day I was there when somebody from behind snatched the money. I was like, whoa. I turned around and I grabbed the collar of his shirt. And it, it tore. He turned around. Uh-oh. It was one of the bullies. He came back and he hit me so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I went home. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my grandparents. I didn't tell my friends. I locked myself in the room. And I said, okay, God. Where were you? I don't understand. Why I have to go through this? Maybe if you had given me the best parents ever, I wouldn't be going through this. I would be able to stand up for myself. And I got so upset. I was like, God, say something. Come on. You're my best friend. Come on, say something. 
And I was a person who would read the Bible. But that day I was so desperate, I grabbed my Bible, and I don't encourage you to read the Bible like this. I opened the Bible with my clothes, my eyes closed, and I was like, okay, God, you better give me a word. You better give me a word. And I put my finger on wherever it would land. And I was like, I'll do whatever God says. Thank God it didn't land on Judas hung himself. <laughs> I was desperate. And this is where it landed. But before that, let, let me show you. The third person. If you could show. Thank you. So this friend, before I, sh before I share with you what he told me. For me, this God, this very good friend had let me down. I was feeling like, where was he when people were bullying me? Why did he accept this in my life? But like I said, if you can um, go to the next slide. With my finger there. I started reading this, Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 to 15. It says, yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. And I was weeping. I was like, you know how I feel and yet you don't do anything? I was so upset. But the Lord's response was, never, never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? And then I was like even more angry. I was like, wait. So you're telling me never, but then you tell me about my mother? Don't you remember that she doesn't care? Don't you remember that this, she doesn't love me? And I was so upset. And I was just weeping and weeping. But then this changed my life. When I went into this next line, my life was totally changed. It says, but even if that were possible, I would not forget you. When I read those words, something changed in my heart. I knew. I knew that God knew. That he knew my story. That he knew my struggles. But he was there with me. That he was there with me. And I remember also a time when in church I was fasting with the invitation of the pastor. So we had, I grew up in a church of probably 100, 150 people. And when you make invitations to uh, fasting, I'm pretty sure everybody comes, right? Yeah. We were not like that. Only 10 people turned up. <laughs> but I was there. I was hungry for God. And I remember they said, you know what, we're going to pray for each other. So just go in the middle and we pray. When we're there, I remember I was, I was there in the middle just kneeling down and waiting for God to do something or just people to pray for me. This elderly lady started speaking in tongues. And more intensely, more intensely, more intensely. She came to me and she started pampering my face. And then she touched my hair. There was hair. <laughs> but this is what changed my life. Like this verse did. The Lord said through her, receive the love your mother never gave you. So in other words, my friends, 
you can have an encounter with God no matter what your pain is. No matter what you've gone through, there is redemption in Jesus. Let's go to the next one. But let me ask you, who dropped you? Who's dropped you? Because perhaps you have anger inside towards your parents or towards a teacher or towards your ex-spouse or I don't know who. But maybe there are people here who have that anger against God. Because like me, they feel abandoned. They feel like God wasn't there when they wanted him to be there. But let me tell you what Jesus says in his word. Next slide, please. It's not God who's dropped you. My friend, God does not want you to cry because he's not around. He doesn't want you to feel lonely because he says in John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief, the Satan, the devil, he has come to destroy your life. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And even in Jeremiah 29.10, one of the 29.11, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, the Lord declares, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good. Listen to that. God says, my plans are for you for good and not for disaster. To give you a future. To give you a hope. That's what I want to bring with you tonight. But let, let's go back to the story of Mephibosheth. If you can go to the next slide. Remember this kid who was being prepared to be a king. In one day he lost everything. He lost his father. His, he lost his grandfather. And now he couldn't even walk. He was not for a king. Who's going to respect a king who can walk? And maybe that's how you feel. Who's going to respect me after everything I've gone through? Who's going to love me after everything I've gone through? And I grew up thinking I would never be able to do what I do now. I'm not here because I'm super trained. I'm not here because I deserve this. I'm here because God helped me to be here. So this kid was not even in palace. He was taken to a place called Lodabar. He was hid there. Because the nurse said maybe this is the place where nobody will ever know about him. And nobody will kill him. What does Lodabar mean? Let's go to the next slide. Lodabar means no pasture, no word, no communication. If you've never gotten to know Jesus, that is where you are. Let me say that again. If you've never gotten to know Jesus, unfortunately, friend, that is where you are. Because in that place, Satan doesn't allow you to have anything that refreshes you from God. You don't have no word from God. And you have no communication whatsoever with him. So if you've never gotten to meet Jesus, tonight is your night. But then you say, oh, I've been a Christian for so long. You're not talking about me. Well, not so quickly. Remember what Pastor Chris read? Sometimes 
we have Lodabar in our hearts. Something, somebody did to us. And you know what we do as Christians? We just hide it under the carpet. And I feel there are some people here who come to church with a mask. They put on a smile. Everything is fine, but nobody knows what you're going through. You need to let Jesus tonight open that and bring you out of the Lodabar. What you need is what Mephibosheth went through. Unfortunately, he was there not for one day or two. He was there for years. He grew up as a man in Lodabar. But an encounter with a king changed his life. An encounter with a king changed his life. And let's read what happens in this encounter. Next slide, please. This is King David. So remember, his grandfather, his father were dead. The next king that got selected was a man after his own heart. A man who had promised to Mephibosheth's father to always take care of his family. He made a covenant. And God has made a covenant with his blood to bless you, to help you, to rescue, to heal you, to set you free. And David, for years, had forgotten, but he remembered that he had this covenant. And he was like, oh yeah, I made this covenant. I need to find out if there is anyone in this family who I can bless. And then you read in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. But this is the extract I want to read. So King David asked one of his servants, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba, one of Saul's servants, replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? David asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him. At the home of Machir, son of Emiel. So David sent for him and brought him. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. His life passed from, I probably would be better dead. Nobody cares about me. Nobody knows that I even exist to the palace. When you get to know Jesus, we're brought from darkness into light. When you get to know Jesus, you're taken out of that realm and you belong to him. So what happened to him is not only that, he started living in palace. And probably he was cleansed. His robes were changed. And now he was dressed like a prince. His life was different now. Probably shaved, smelling good, but still he was crippled. And maybe that's how you feel. You know what? Yeah, I try to follow God. I try to follow him, but I still feel crippled inside. And I can imagine King David saying to Mephibosheth, Hey, Mephibosheth, come on, enjoy the kingdom. And he'd be like, no, look at my condition. If you allow me to do this, 
he'd be like, look at me. I'm still crippled. Yes, you've dressed me like a different person. But I'm still the same. And maybe that's how you feel. Maybe that's the condition of your heart tonight. But you know what happens. Next, what David did is, I can't imagine, this is not what, exactly what the Bible says, but I can't imagine for a moment David saying this. Wait, Mephibosheth, come and sit at my table. Come and sit at my table. And he would be like, no, David, do you want to embarrass me in front of everybody? Everybody knows of my condition. But when he sat at the table and everybody else came, nobody could see his feet. No one. Because the table, the grace of God covers you. When you accept the invitation, your life is transformed. If you can go to the next slide. But maybe like Mephibosheth, we think, uh, why did I have to go, go through this? Next slide, sorry. I just skipped one. Thank you. You think, couldn't my life be perfect? Couldn't my life, I don't know, would have been better for me to have the perfect parents, never been bullied at school, never been, you know, my pants pulled down and be in shame in front of everybody than being in shame because people were bullying me in high school. Wouldn't it have been better for me to never go through that? Certainly. But that is the very reason I'm here. Because those wounds are the same wounds that allow me to speak with the authority God has given me. That's why I put this picture up. Because in the same scripture that I put my finger on, this is the next verse. See, says God, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. And you can see in the picture, when Jesus was crucified... His hands were pierced. His feet were pierced. His side was also hurt. So there's, when he resurrected, he didn't, he didn't just change his body into perfect body. Oh, like nothing happened. He came back with his scars. You know what? And you know why? It's because your name is there. You matter to God. In his wounds, there is healing. In his wounds, there is freedom. In his wounds, God can change your life. And whenever you feel you can't, remember, you are in his wounds. So the wounds I've gone through have allowed me to bless other people, to encourage other people. But my invitation for you tonight, my invitation for you tonight is as, we, as the musicians come up, is to open our hearts. To allow God to show us, hey, I want you to be healed of this that happened years ago or recently or maybe yesterday or this week. I don't know when, but God wants to heal your heart tonight. He doesn't want, to live, uh, he doesn't want you to live in Lodabar anymore. He wants you to be free. God wants to deal with the past friends. Because unless you let God 
do that, you won't be able to move into the next level. You won't be able to see what you have been dreaming and praying for. And that is the word that I felt as I was praying for this. That you need to allow God to go deep. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. It's Jesus talking to the church. That's a verse we use to evangelize, but it's actually for the church. He says, I am at the door, knocking at your heart. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll have a feast together. He wants you out of the Lodabar. He wants you to sit at his table. Next slide, please. That's my last slide. Because at his table, my friend, you are his son. You are his daughter. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are restored. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are fit for the king. You are fit for the king. So I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want you to let the Holy Spirit confirm the words that I've been talking about. Don't get distracted. This is not about the person next to you. You're not going to be embarrassed if that's you. But let me start with this. Is there anyone here who's never received Jesus in their heart? And you would like him to take you out of the lower bar. If that's you, why don't you, pen your, why don't you put your hand up? make the invitation one more time if there is anyone who's never received Jesus in their heart tonight's your night but if there is no one this is a second invitation to the table here is Jesus table in this altar he's asking you to come in faith He's asking you to come and let him heal you tonight. So as we sing a song, as we worship, I'm going to let this altar open. Don't think about anybody else or what people are going to think of you. Who cares? God wants to heal you tonight. stand on our feet and sing. If there is anyone who needs prayer, 
Come to the front. really powerful in what Leo was sharing just now just as he was even giving the invitation I remembered what it was like for me to be a kid really young and to dedicate my life to Christ and so I I actually don't want to let that moment go some of you guys, you're maybe a little bit younger. And while Leo was speaking, you know God was talking to you. And you're thinking, oh, I'm in some meeting where the adults are doing something. There's other things going on. But you know God was talking to you. And you've got these worries. You've got these things that are going on in your life. And maybe you can't tell mom and dad. But I want to invite you today. I really want to invite you today. If you want to do like what Leo did. Invite God into your heart. And let me just be very, very clear. Like just because you grew up and your mom and dad go to church, that doesn't actually mean that you love God. That you talk to God and, and He's the closest one to you. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that. There's heaps of chances, just like tonight, where if you're younger, I just want to give you this, a really good chance. It's a great time. Uh, if you're not comfortable, you can actually pull one of your friends out with you. Just turn around and go, I feel like I want to come up. Maybe your mom and dad are next to you. Just tap them. They'll happily come up with you. And maybe even sometime long ago but you can't remember somebody made you say the sinner's prayer or whatever but you can't remember I actually really believe it's so important God has given you breath He's given you life you're a smart kid and you can make decisions at whatever stage of life you're in and so I think the invitation's open. I honestly think there are some kids here. And maybe if you're a high schooler and you slightly resent the fact that I'm calling you kid. 
There's some kids and there's some high schoolers here. All right. And you need to invite God into your life in a very real way. Not in a, I'm born in a Christian family way. I want you to invite you up now. I know it's going to take a bit of courage. It's going to take a step of faith. Just pull a friend. Come on. Because there are going to be some tough, strong decisions you're going to have to make in your life. Come on. Praise the Lord. This is going to be so... I feel like tonight is this opportunity that God is... Wanting to burst into your life and be become that kind of a change in you. And I know I'm talking a lot about this because when I was young, I actually heard God's voice. It changed my life. It changed my life. You do not understand the passion I have for kids, for young people who can find God, who can start at a very young age even to call out His name. You're here at a meeting and God's calling your name. And I know it's you. You're, you're feeling it in your heart. And I know you're thinking, oh, what my friends think? Should I come up? But really, don't worry about them. Just don't worry about them. When you're 45 years old like me, your hair is about to become like Leo's hair. You will not care what your friends thought that day you made the best decision of your life. You will just not care. That's, that's where it's at. So if that's you, I just really, I want to give you one more chance. That's even if you grew up in a Christian home and you're like, God, starting this year, starting 2019, I want to invite you into my life. Come on. I know there's one or two more out there. I know. Come on. It's good. Because nobody actually knows, right, what the inner state of your heart is. But if you come out right now, you invite God in. That's the turning point. That's the turning point on the inside. I'm gonna let John on. Can you pray for me? A few people I want to pray for. I believe the Lord is here. God wants to speak to a few people. And I uh, just want to move in the prophetic a little bit. I'm glad you stepped up, sir. God has a word for you. You, champion. Come on, come on. Rachel. Rachel. 